This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, January 26th, 2014. Sermon on the Mount, The Do-Nots. So good morning, Connection Church. My name is Lori Brown, and I'm the pastor of spiritual formation here at Connection, and a sinner who's been saved by God's grace and our technical people. (laughs) Would you pray with me, please? Gracious God, wow, we just thank you for uh, bringing us all here today, Lord, so we can worship together, we can be in your presence, we can hear your word, and um, experience a little laughter, and uh, as we settle in now uh, to hear the message that you have for each one of us, open our hearts and our minds, our eyes, our ears, uh, so that we can receive everything that you have for us. And we just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so today we conclude our series on the Sermon on the Mount, found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Um, I don't know if anybody read it. We challenged you to read it, but I I know if you did, you were really blessed by it. This is where Jesus went up on the mountainside to share a message with the people. And this message is for us too. As we conclude our series today, we're going to focus on one of the four, what we're calling the do-nots. So last week we talked about the when-yous, today we're going to do the do-nots. They're found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, through chapter 7, verse 6. Six. Statements that begin like, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. Do not give dogs what is sacred. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Wow, I'm glad I didn't preach on that one. Finally, my favorite, my absolute favorite of the do-nots is found in Matthew chapter 6, 25 through 34, where Jesus begins by saying, Therefore, I tell you, read it with me, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Wow. I absolutely love this one because it deals with the topic of worry. This is something I think we can all relate to from time to time, some of us more than others. So I want to take a quick poll. I want to find out where are all the worriers in the room. Raise them high, be proud. (laughs) Admitting it is the first step. So this message found here is given to encourage our souls and provide us with some biblical instruction on what to do when we're faced with the situations in our life that cause us to worry. Now, my first personal encounter with this passage was back in the summer of 2005. Prior to then, I was not working full-time, and my life was in a state of, we'll just say, transition. The short story is two years prior, in March of 2003, I walked away from a successful career in banking doing data conversion. Yeah, ooh, now I'm doing people conversion, right? (laughs) 
Yeah. Anyway, I walked away from that to follow a deep-seated desire to make a difference in the world. I wasn't clear at the time what that would be. I just knew that at the core of my being, I needed to follow it. So I took a huge leap of faith, and I resigned from my job. A year later, almost a year later, in February of 2004, Dave and I walked through the doors of connection for the first time. Six weeks later, I gave my heart to Christ. And shortly thereafter, I began reading the Bible for the first time in my life. I attended a small group, and I also did the Alpha program that was recommended um, here at the church as a next step. And you know what? If you haven't done Alpha, I highly recommend that as a next step. It's a great, great program. Now, things began to move really quickly for me spiritually. So back to the summer of 2005, I started to feel what I thought were my first promptings or whispers from God for ministry. Now, I don't know if my receptors were very clear, but I thought I heard God whispering in my ear, go to seminary. It was either that or go to cemetery. <laughs> now, the cemetery part just didn't make sense, so anyway. I ignored those promptings for about a year and my, because my life, my life became distracted with worry. A stream of income that we had was suddenly cut off with no notice. Now, when I resigned, I'm a planner a little bit, but when I resigned from my job back in 2003, I knew we had the stream of income and I knew we needed it to make it. Like, you know, things were gonna be tight, but I counted on that money. I really believed we needed that to survive. So it was really scary for me when that disappeared. I had begun, Dave and I had begun tithing at the time, and those drops in monies put us in what felt like an enormous, like negative, it wasn't totally enormous, but it was big, cash flow position. Now if anybody, you know, has even simple math, you know that you can't go on too long when you've got more going out that's coming in. It just doesn't work. And I remembered that Barbara Tina, she gave me what I call an in case of emergency card. It contained biblical verses to go to when in need. It was kind of like a 911 when you're in need, go to whatever. So it listed several different emotions and had a corresponding scripture. I looked up worry and it said, go to Matthew 6, 25. Now I sat on the floor, I opened my Bible, my heart was filled with worry, my eyes were filled with tears, and I read the following words. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? 
They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first, say the rest of this with me, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Wow, those were the exact words I needed to hear at that time. They gave me hope, and they encouraged my soul for that day. So we're going to look at this passage a little more closely. Jesus begins by saying, Do not worry about your life. And he gives us a couple examples, what you're going to eat or drink or about your body, what you're going to wear. And he next asks us a really great question. You know, Jesus, he was a great question asker. He says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Well, absolutely life is more than that. We certainly need food and we need clothing. But life itself is so much more. <clears throat> An extreme example to get the point across is looking at someone on life support. Their body is receiving food, they're most likely wearing clothes, but food and clothing by themselves are not life. Life is about being in relationship with God and with one another. It's about being and discovering who God created you to be. We each have within us, every one of you has within you a God-given purpose and passion that contributes to life in God. Now, we might be all different places on discovering what that is and living it out, but we all have one. <clears throat> so Jesus, in this passage, he has us look to creation. He says, look at the birds in the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? So do we have any bird watchers in here? We did at 8.30. Yeah, a couple. There was a lot at 8.30. Anyway, I love to watch birds. I love to watch them interact. I love to learn things from them. I especially enjoy in the springtime watching the mommy and the daddy birds as they teach their young little birdlings to fly. I love watching those little blackbirds. Um, at least, I, I think that's what they are, little blackbirds. They fly in these beautifully choreographed um, things, like hundreds of them. And they make all these patterns and shape in the sky. They look like they're having a blast out there. We also find them resting on the telephone wires, right? We find them resting on the housetops and trees. 
They build nests and they feed their families. They go about daily. They seek food daily and they find food. And do you know why they find it? They find it because God provides the food for them to find. God, just like he directs their little flight paths, he shows them where the food is. So Jesus asked, are you not much more valuable than they? Well, of course you are. Just as God is the source of the bird's daily provision, God is also the source of our daily provision, whatever that is that we need. God provides for the birds. God will provide for you. Now here's the rub. Many of us fall into the false belief that it's actually we who are the ones who are supposed to provide for our daily needs, not God. We forget that God is the supplier of every good and perfect gift, including our jobs, the ability to work, the gifts and graces he's given us, and all the other blessings in our life. Now, this doesn't mean that we just sit around waiting for God to supply. That would be foolish. Just as the birds do the work of the birds, right? They go flying, they rest, they play, they chirp, they teach their young how to fly, they seek and they find food. We are to do the work of human beings. We go to work, you know, we seek work if we need to, um, and other things. We rest, we play, we talk, we seek, we find. So just as we talked about last week, God knows what you need even before you ask. When we forget that God is the source of our life and our provision, we carry the weight and the burdens by ourselves and we worry and we worry and we worry. So Jesus asks another question, another great question. Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? I guess the intent of this question is to have us think about what worrying actually does besides make us upset. He's basically saying that the fruit of worry is wasted time and effort. It can't even add one hour to your life. Yet, he knows that we all, we all fall into worry. It's when we stay there that it becomes a problem because it disorients us and it immobilizes us. We stop living. So Jesus gives us another example. He says, and why do you worry about clothes? Who worries about clothes? I mean, I know, you know, we all worry about clothes from time to time. And I don't think Jesus was talking about worrying about clothes when our closets are full of clothes. Although, even when I get concerned about what outfit I'm going to wear, I hear Jesus' voice whispering in my ear, Lori, do not worry about what you're going to wear. See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed as one as these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, is thrown into the fire, 
Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So flowers, they're absolutely beautiful. Jesus says that not even Solomon in his splendor was dressed like one of these. Solomon was King David's son, and when he became king, he was the wisest, the wealthiest of all the kings in human history. There was no king that had more splendor, more wealth, and more wisdom than Solomon. So if, gra- if God clothes the grass of the field with more splendor than Solomon in his wardrobe, would he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? I think that the clothing here that Jesus is talking about is both clothes to wear and it's something else. Think about it for a minute. What are the things that truly make a human being great? I can tell you it's not the one with the nicest clothes. No, it's the one who's been clothed by God with things like compassion, with mercy, with generosity, and with love. So let's make sure that these things are included in our wardrobe and that we're clothed with them on a daily basis. Now, by the way, these are the exact things that we become clothed with when we seek God's kingdom and righteousness. We'll be talking about that in a minute, exactly what that means. But Jesus continues in this passage by saying, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Everybody say that. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Read the rest of it. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So the bottom line is God knows what you need. He knows you need food. He knows you need clothing and other essentials just like everyone else. Jesus is saying, don't worry about these things. Don't chase after these things. But first, before seeking those things, before you do that, seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus is saying, relax, breathe. I know you need these things. Seek me first, and I will help you find them. So just as God directs the flight of the birds to find food, he will direct your path to find the things you need to. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd rather seek God and get some good godly direction than run around aimlessly seeking and finding crumbs. Allow God to help you. God wants to help you. So when we seek God, one of the things that we immediately get from that seeking is God starts to give us more peace. And we get to experience that peace now. Like when I first read this passage, when I was done reading that passage, my level, like my worry meter, was like here, and it probably came down a notch. Like I had a little bit more peace when I was done reading that. 
So our needs might not always be provided for, actually, sometimes more than not, our needs are not provided for the way we think they should be, but they will be provided for. So what does it mean to seek his kingdom and his righteousness? Right now, we live in a time where we say the kingdom is heaven, the kingdom is both now and it's not yet. This means that we can experience the kingdom of heaven right now. We don't have to wait till we get there. When we have a personal relationship with Jesus, we begin to experience the gifts and the fruit of the kingdom now. Right now. We get things like peace that passes all understanding, direct communion with God. We begin to receive healing in various areas of our life. Now the kingdom is also not yet. The kingdom is in the process of coming, and we know that it's not yet when we see evidence of hurt and violence and evil that's still in the world. So last week, Alan and Carrie defined, and they, they talked about righteousness, and they defined it as acting in ways that are pleasing to God. So when we seek God's kingdom and his righteousness, we ask God to help us live as kingdom people. We ask God to direct our thoughts, our actions, our words, that they would be in, in alignment with God's will, kingdom, and purposes for our life. Now for me, back in 2005, I was worried about so much back then. When we were worried about how we were gonna make it, seeking his kingdom and his righteousness meant for me praying to God that he would help keep me focused on the next right thing to do. Um, it would mean that I would start to learn how to carve out some time with God every day where I might, you know, read his word, um, pray, start to learn how to pray. Um, if you need help with any of this, please let us know. And, you know, seeking God and his righteousness in that time, it could be something as simple as doing the dishes. Like, that's the next thing that needs to be done, the dishes. It might be making a phone call. It might be asking a friend for help. It might be looking for a job. For me, after a couple months of you know, this income loss, in November, um, several months later, I took a job as a part-time waitress. Because I, I didn't want to worry like not as much as I had been. So it, it helped. Then I would pray to God to give me the courage to like live it out. All we have is today. All you have is today. That's it. So while seeking his kingdom and righteousness back then, Dave and I, we continued to tithe, and we did that because we felt like that's what God was calling us to do, to trust him during this whole process. We cut out all unnecessary spending, even to the point of not buying my daughter a dress for a school dance. Now that was the hardest thing. You know, it would have been so easy to use a credit card when I knew that we were behind. It, it would have been so easy to do that. That was so hard to tell her, honey, I'm sorry. 
We don't have the money for this. You know, but here's the thing. God still provided. (laughs) A friend of hers lent her a dress, and she looked absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So that income shortfall at that time, it lasted eight long months. Um, It was hard. It was really hard. I remember crying at least once or more every single month just crying. Through it, what we learned is we learned to trust God more. We also saw God provide, because I believed we weren't going to make it. We saw God provide in ways that I would have never, ever imagined, and that dress was just one example of the ways. Our faith grew during this time. It forced me to seek God and his kingdom. Now, if we get in the habit, this is the good news, if you get in the habit of seeking God's kingdom and righteousness on a daily basis, not just when we're faced with times in our life that cause us worry, it eases the overall worries in our life now. And it helps us prepare for future challenges. Because there's always going to be future challenges. I don't know anyone who has a worry-free life. So the next time Dave and I were faced with a much larger shortfall in the fall of 2011, when he lost his job, it turned out for two and a half months, we really honestly didn't worry that much. There was a a, a low-level undercurrent of anxiety, but the worry meter, like from up here in 2005, was like probably down to here in 2011. It was so much easier that time because we had witnessed God providing back then when we didn't see a way. You know, the funny thing is, is we also have a little, um, even right now, a little challenge. Right now, Dave's job, uh, his contract ends April. So we've kind of, you know, got that little low-level current of, you know, but again, We're going to continue seeking God and his righteousness and trust that God will provide. So Jesus ends this passage by saying, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Say that with me. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. So worry, when we worry, we're focused on future. We're focused on outcomes that may never, ever happen. They actually say 95% of the things that we worry about never come true. All we have is today. We cannot live in tomorrow because tomorrow has not come. Jesus is saying stay focused on today. This is where life is, right now, in today. Today has enough trouble on its own. So here's what we want you to kind of take away and a challenge for this week, is to stay and live in today the very best that you can. And each day, will you take on the challenge 
of seeking God's kingdom and God's righteousness on a daily basis in your life. Make time for that. It is time well spent. Worrying is not time well spent. So when you worry, substitute that time and start to seek God. He will answer. And then after you seek his kingdom and his righteousness, we've got to follow through with faith in action. We do the finding that you do the finding that you've been instructed to do through the seeking. So again, if God leads you to say, go make that phone call or go do this thing, you do it. And we pray that, you know, that we would have enough courage and strength to do that kind of follow through. Thirdly, we want to live in today. Now this means we don't think about or plan for the future. I'm a planner, so I do some planning for the future. But what it means is that we don't spend excessive time worrying about the future. We do the best today that we're being led to do. We learn how to live in today. When you do that, you will begin to experience life the way God intended life to be lived. Doing that brings true freedom, and that is something that worry will never, ever, ever be able to deliver on. So this is the good news. You know, we use examples of clothing and eating and things like that, but this is true for whatever you worry about, whether it's your marriage, your children, your health, your job, other situations. It's seeking God and his righteousness. That is the remedy for worry, godly remedy. So this is the good news. Let's live it and believe it. Let's pray. Gracious God, wow, we just thank you for your message found in Scripture. We thank you that we can turn to the Bible and receive comfort for our souls. Lord, right now, I know that we're all in different places in our faith. We're all at different places in just even the things that might be worrying us and on our mind. I just pray that you would um, empower us and, and help us to remember to seek you first, to get that good, godly direction. Lord, we pray for that peace that passes all understanding. We pray that you would grow each one of our faith. And even if some of us, some, some of us, the prayer will be help our unbelief. So Lord, we just thank you that um, you give us comfort. And we give all this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church, please visit our website at ConnectionCC. Dot org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash connection CC. You can also contact our church office at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life.
he offers.